This podcast is brought to you by Benjamin, a workflow automation engine that allows advisors to focus on their clients rather than data management. Learn more at getbenjamin.com. I think the one thing that we saw that maybe didn't work as well or that a lot of advisors were interested in in early 2022, but maybe petered out just because it's not sustainable, right? Was advisors who I feel like it's diluting the message or just tackling too much at once. Today on Bridging the Gap, I am continuing a conversation that I had with Zoe Megger from earlier this year. Zoe is the CEO of Perfectly Planned Content. Zoe was on the show a few months ago speaking about content coaching for financial advisors and marketing within our industry. And in that conversation, I said, Zoe, we need to have you back for a 2023 marketing plan segment. And she was all in for it. So much actionable advice in this episode to prepare your marketing strategy for the new year. Zoe and I get into what worked in 2022. And we talk about tactically with real actionable ideas that you can do today for 2023 to position yourselves to have a successful year on the marketing side. Zoe is just an amazing person. She's a mastermind on the content side. She's well-respected in the industry, knows what she's talking about. This is one of those episodes that I'm telling you, you do not want to miss. It will reposition your 2023. Let's turn over to the mastermind herself, Zoe Maggart. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. Zoe Megger, CEO of Perfectly Planned Content. Happy New Year. Welcome back to Bridging the Gap. How are you? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is, uh, I'm stoked to have you back on. I, I, you know, we had a great conversation earlier in 2022, and we had alluded to, like, it would be great to come back and talk about some stuff to do in 2023. And, you know, here we are. We are keeping our word, both of us, to our listeners, and uh, <laughs> coming back with a with a plan. I think that this is one of those interesting conversations of like, what's some actionable insights that we can take into 2023. And as we're talking about before we start recording, what I hope for this episode for the listeners is that this is your easy button. If you haven't gotten a marketing plan yet for 2023, you don't know where to start, you don't know what to do. Well, this is going to be your episode to figure out your action plan to have a successful marketing plan and a content plan for 2023. But before we get in there, right, we have to keep everybody on their toes and listening. Zoe, I'd love to chat about 2022. You were in the weeds of 2022 with clients and helping out, and you saw a lot. I'm curious to know, starting on the on the good side, what worked for teams with content and marketing strategies in 2022? I think that in 2022, the biggest thing that we saw work were clients who were more interested in leaning into creating content, whether that was blog posts, podcasts, or videos that really answered client pain point questions really directly, right? We had a lot of market fluctuation. And I was kind of joking with someone earlier because I'm at a conference right now for advisors that it kind of felt like 2022 was the year where people were quote unquote, getting back into it, right? They were like post COVID ready to kind of hit the ground running. And in some cases, and this is sort of the flip side of that, right? We saw a lot of advisors try and overcommit to a marketing strategy and bite off too much because they got excited and they could do in-person events again and things like that. But our clients who really just hyper-focused on taking care of current clients and their questions and then using that same content to attract ideal prospects were the ones who truly flourished. Yeah, I love that. It's the idea of the the, the pain point. And I, you know, that that mentality of 
2022 was that year that everybody felt like they got back into the swing of things, right? Post COVID. Mm -hmm. I felt that too. I mean, I traveled more this year than I had even pre COVID in, in the airport felt like everybody was doing the same as well. And I could see that when you mention when you talk about pain points, like content that answers pain points, I think that everybody wants to do more of that. But I think that's the struggle that I hear from advisors is, I think I know what pain points are, but maybe it's not their pain points. And I, and I think if you look at a lot of data, what clients perceive tends to be drastically different than what advisors perceive. And so you're, you tend to answer the, the wrong question at times. What, what advice have you given and do you see that help advisors be better at answering the right questions that their clients are really asking or, or wanting to ask? That's a great question. So a couple of things, and you talk about hitting the easy button. So here's like the two things you can do to make this easier on yourself. If you're feeling uncertain about what topics to tackle or what your ideal kind of A-lister clients or prospects want to hear about, first of all, put together a survey. It's here at the end of the year, beginning of 2023, when people will be listening to this. Put together a quick survey using something like JotForm, Google Forms, or even SurveyMonkey that asks you know, three to five questions. It shouldn't take your clients more than a couple minutes to complete, make it easy for them and ask things like, what do you want to hear more about? Have a bunch of checkboxes. Is it retirement planning, cash flow management, lifestyle? What's going to work best for you? Uh, you can also ask questions like, what social media channel are you on most often? How often do you want to hear from me as a client? Uh, are you checking your email? Things like that. And that's one really easy way to just figure out by asking them directly, right? Hey, what do you want to do? The second thing, record your client meetings and listen to them back. Now, you don't have to record every single meeting, but whoever you see on your calendar whose name really lights you up, who you're really excited to talk to, record that meeting and listen to a handful in a row. Like after a surge season, I really find this works well because you'll hear recurring themes. Right? People will talk about the same thing again and again, and that's probably the same exact pain points that people who aren't your clients yet also want you to answer. I, I love both of those surveys. Everybody, I think, is like worried about surveys. They're like, I don't want to poke the bear. Like, I think things are fine. Mm-hmm. So I'll just assume. But surveys are amazing, especially if you make them, you know, you can make them anonymous and let the let the people tell them what they really want, what they really are thinking. And that can help you. You know, the recording client meetings is super interesting. I think it's easier now than it's ever been because of the majority of Zoom meetings that are happening. A great tool out there that I've been using a lot is called otter.ai, which actually transcribes the meeting. So if you like to read, you can read and highlight, etc. But then it, it also just records the, the meetings as well. And you can rewatch and it. And it gives like word clouds. So like what was talked about the mm-hmm. most and you can, it's really super interesting on that side. So some ideas. Now, before we get into 2023 and the easy button for 2023, you're already given, I mean, gosh, already, I mean, we're like five minutes in and they already have actionable takeaways like we're already making 2023 easy 2023 is gonna be a good year for the advisor community but what didn't work in 2022 right we talked about the good you you mentioned the marketing budgets that everybody went a little bit heavy on the marketing and lots of conferences etc but what was some of those trends that may not have picked up steam in 2022 that everybody's like oh this is gonna work this is definitely gonna this is the next great thing or, or this is a great strategy I think the one thing that we saw that maybe didn't work as well or that a lot of advisors were interested in in early 2022, but maybe petered out just because it's not sustainable, right, was advisors who I feel like it's diluting the message or just tackling too much at once. So uh, that could look like doing too many different types of content, the video, blogs, podcasts, maybe you're doing all three or adding other like shorter TikTok videos, things like that. Another way that we saw some advisors kind of 
spread themselves too thin was tackling too many social media channels to really focus on developing a presence. So they wanted to say, TikTok is popular. I'm going to have a TikTok presence. I'm going to do Instagram reels. I'll be on LinkedIn and Twitter. And it ended up being too much, especially if they were DIYing it, right? So they weren't able to stay consistent and then fall off the bandwagon. And then people kind of lose sight of you. And then things just kind of spiral. It's really hard to get back on the bandwagon after you've already stopped. Key takeaway I have from that, consistency, right? Like that's what it's about. It's got to be about consistency. But that also leads to another question because I, you know, you can read so much. You There's so much thrown at you. Everybody has their own opinion. Like, you know, everybody's like, well, you know, you got to try all these different things to see what works. So we got to go try them all. But then we're looking back at 2022. And it's like, well, advisors spread themselves too thin by trying too many. But then I can hear the advisors in my head being like, well, you're telling me I should try all this stuff and see what works. So talk me through this. Of how do we determine what's the best channel? And, and, and how do you find that balance between too many channels, too thin, and consistent, which is the key? Absolutely. And to your point, consistency is key with advisor marketing because it builds trust, right? So, so many people and advisors know this. Finance and financial planning is such a trust-based service industry because money is a really sensitive topic. So you have to have, be consistent and consistently show up, have the same messaging in order to build trust with current clients and prospects. But one good way to sort of determine what content medium makes the most sense or what consistency makes the most sense or what channel to use is, again, refer back to your survey, figure out where your A-list clients are going to and show up there. So, for example, most of our clients are on LinkedIn. We don't have a super active Twitter presence because most of our clients aren't showing up there. So we would prefer to go where they are hanging out online and hyper-focus our efforts there. This is especially true if advisors are doing any advertising. Like, Don't diversify your ad budget. Pick a channel and stick with it. We also like to say that most things, when you're trying something new, it takes some time to sort of beta test that and see if that new strategy is working, to see if a blog is working if you're blogging consistently or a podcast video. We like to tell people to usually stick it out for six-ish months to start seeing like true SEO results, getting leads in the door, things like that. I want to touch on SEO for a second here, but before I go there, you know, uh, the the channel going back to the survey, I think is good. And I, 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 I'm curious on your side because, you know, I think that where people spread themselves so thin is that they go to too many channels, but then they try to recreate content. And like, I think it just becomes like at the beginning of the year, you're, it's just like any resolution. Like I'm so stoked to go and do all this content. I'm going to write so many blogs. I'm going to do so many videos. I'm going to record so many podcasts. It's going to be amazing. And then you get in and you're like, gosh, I only had enough content for three and uh, now I'm done. And, and it's hard to keep that momentum going. But I think the advisors that are just getting into the content field believe that they need to write new content all the time and they don't mm. you can reuse content in different ways or go deeper on the content or or say the same message i think that that's what marketers do so well they say the same message in a different way but it's the same message constantly and and i think that advisors feel that they have to talk about like all the topics and they run out of topics so how do you how do you think that advisors as we head into 2023 can be better at reusing content that maybe they wrote last year two years ago, or even content that just comes to mind, but just going deeper with it and using it in different ways uh, within their channels? This is such an interesting question and something that's come up consistently, both with our clients and with advisors we've been talking to recently. So when you're creating content, we like to say, consider your top like four to six 
killer points or the pain points your clients are experiencing. Then you can kind of diversify topics within those buckets, so to speak. For example, if you work with retirees, it could be retirement planning, social security benefits, Medicare, right? Whatever your clients are really most interested in, have a couple of blog posts or pillar pieces of content. So longer blogs, longer podcast episodes, webinar video recordings that really hyper-focus on those pillar topics or content buckets. And then to your point, you may already have those created, right? If you already wrote blog posts in past years on those, revisit them, update numbers, you can make them into multimedia posts by recording a quick video version of that blog and embedding it at the top. And then as far as recreating different pieces of content, take those longer pillar posts and figure out how you can break them up. We like to call it a hub and spoke model, right? So the hub is sort of that pillar topic, retirement planning, social security, Medicare, or something like that. It could be a longer blog, like we had said, a webinar or something. Uh, the spokes that come off of it are the smaller pieces you're recreating. So that might be, if you've got a 2000 plus word blog, that could work as multiple different short video scripts that kind of get you going to do some video content for LinkedIn. It could be Canva graphics that you're breaking up into multiple pieces, an infographic, maybe you combine a couple blogs into an ebook. So look at the content you've already got to reuse and recycle that content to reduce the total amount that you're creating going into next year, and I think it's more sustainable, less prone to burnout. It's a more you know, long-term strategy. Yeah. And I love that idea. You know, and if you're not design specific, I, I, you, what stood out was like infographic, right? Like if you're not design specific, but you have this like really good post that you think could become something on a design level, like an infographic or just a graphic that can be utilized on Instagram or LinkedIn or whatever channel you're on, you know, go to Fiverr and just hire someone for like, you know, 40 bucks, be like, Hey, can you take this and turn this into an infographic and, and, and see what you find? Like you, there's so many resources that you don't have to do everything. Like there's, you can do it on a, on a very tight budget to your point of what one of the mistakes of 2022 was just overextending a budget. Like you can do it on a, on a good budget and, and get multiple pieces out of just one content to your hub and spoke, which I love that analogy. So let's do this. Let's move into 2023. So we've started to talk about it a little bit. Again, I'm surprised we're, we're giving away all this advice for free here uh, because I think that people have gotten so much already. 2023 is going to be kind of, it's positioned to be another tough year for the markets potentially, the economy. You know, there's a lot going on in the space and wealth management from compliance regulation to the new marketing rules to the Fed. Everybody now knows what the Fed is and inflation is, which is, which is great to interest rates, the housing market, et cetera. So let's make something easy for them. What is a what are three things that they can maybe implement or or maybe a kind of a mini marketing plan that they can take and go execute on to to really build their brand and build their presence and start to uh, grow their business. So if you want to hit the easy button with your marketing in 2023, right? Again, stick to your four to six topics that you know that you want to deep dive into whether you've already written them or recorded about them previously or not. And I like to break it up quarterly. I think that's really digestible. I think advisors are used to working on a quarterly basis. And then you've got about a topic a quarter that you're covering, and you can create almost mini marketing campaigns around those topics, right? So if in Q1, you're going to cover tax strategy, you could have a long blog post about tax strategy. Maybe you decide to do a webinar about it, a couple of short videos. You might record one webinar. And then like you said, I love Fiverr. Pass it to a Fiverr video editor and have them chop that up into multiple mini video segments. So you're repurposing content, but you're only spending like 20% of your total marketing time creating that content every quarter. 
And that's so sustainable because you're not spreading yourself in a million different directions. You're not running out of creative juice when you're coming up with topics. So break down to like one topic per quarter and then create a strategy around each topic that includes one to two longer pieces of content that relate to that topic. And then like you had said, delegate the rest, right? Figure out how to outsource or get it off your plate. Unless, I mean, if Canva design really lights you up, fantastic, go for it. Uh, But most advisors, that's not the case. So you can make your marketing dollars go further by just focusing your attention or, you know, your budget on the long form creation and then distributing that content elsewhere. So I love that idea of building it into quarters and using the content and talking about, you know, 20% of your time content creation, right? We talked about that in our last conversation as well and and how that's so important. You know, the one thing that I, I, you know, as I listen to this, it's like, okay, I'm good. I've got my four pillars. I've got it quarterly. All right, now let's go build content. But, you know, I think that one of the core things or core needs is like a content calendar, right? You know, a strategy of like planning this out, like setting specific time on your calendar. When are you better thinking at night, in the afternoon, in the morning, figuring that out so you can build it. But, But building a content calendar is really important of when do you want different pieces to go out so you can hold yourself accountable. What are some strategies or, or ways of, of building a content calendar for someone that's not skilled in marketing like you are for them to build out a content calendar? I recommend that advisors look at their service calendar and time how they're doing marketing and topics and try to tie that to what they're doing with clients. So that might mean if you know that you have, we have a lot of clients who do surge meetings. If you've got a surge meeting in April and in November, and that's when you meet with your clients, those times are probably not great creation times for you, right? Um, so you may want to be creating your content either the prior month or a couple months prior to that. You may even want to batch create where we have some advisors coming to us who, you know, we've done a strategy session with them and they're going to take all of January and write all four quarters worth of their long blog posts and then work with an editor to polish them up and then distribute them throughout the year. So that way you're kind of top heavy in how you organize your time and it can then practice that distribution 20%, 80% strategy. Uh, But to your point, creating a content calendar, I think that, I mean, we always just like to keep it easy. All of our client calendars are made in like Google Sheets. You can use Excel uh, and try and build it out just based on the quarter. And again, tying it to your client service calendar to say, all right, I know I'm going to be talking with clients already in Q2 about XYZ. If I have a piece of content drop that same time, that's a great supporting material that I can send out to them and kind of continue that one-to-many touch point. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, something that's really useful as well as you're going through this process, because I, and it builds on your pillars, which I, gosh, I, I think is so great, is like identify your four pillars at the beginning of the year. Don't set resolutions, just set your pillars and then build content around that. And, and, and I would create a folder that has each of those pillars and you can call them projects and also in your notes app. And, and as you're just kind of thinking, like just go add notes to that and go and as you get articles, use like an Instapaper or a um, or, or one of those other tools, and just start adding them in there so that you have these articles that you can pick and choose from when it comes time. So you're not spending your block time finding the content. You already have it. You digest it, and then you write about it. And it makes the process more fluid as opposed to like structured and like regimented, which can be really really helpful as we go into building content. But it's like think about your projects or your pillars. And just jot your note down. Or if you had something happen in a client meeting, write it down about how it relates. And then figure out how to make it work later, but not then. Just get it in there. And then you digest it during that time period. 
It's so funny that you brought up the folder idea because I do something similar, but within my email. So I've got like different folders within my email for like different topics or different projects we're working on. Then when I see an article that comes up, I just email it to myself and file it into that folder so that when I'm ready to look at it, I can, but it's not like eating away my brain capacity when I'm trying to do client work or being a mom or, you know, something else that's going on in my life. Yeah. I love that. I, I, it's something that I've adopted this year is like one of my very few wins that I've had so far this year. That is, it was this idea, right? It just, it, cause you always try to think about it. You're like, all right, just don't forget it. Don't forget it. And you write in like 15 areas and you're like, all right, well, where do I want it? What does that mean? And, and, and then when it comes time to like be creative, your creative brain's now not being creative. It's being, you know, tactical and you ruin that, that vibe. Um, so I want to move back to something that you said, because I think it can be something for 2023 SEO. I, I don't know if a ton of people understand SEO in, in the market. I mean, I think we understand Google and that we want to be out that we want to be ranked at the top of the page. We get that. But talk to us about SEO and how can advisors maybe in 2023 be better at SEO uh, as we head into the year and as we are creating content within our four pillars. So I think the first thing advisors can do is just get a deeper understanding of where they are right now. Or like, what's the baseline heading into 2023? And most advisors know they have Google Analytics, may or may not check it. Uh, so just checking those things and just seeing what does their total site traffic look like? What pages are getting the most traffic most often? Or what blog posts, podcasts, et cetera, seem to get the most views or listens, right? That kind of helps them determine oh, so these topics are working and maybe these other topics aren't getting as much play or whatever. And then another like free tool people can use that I really like is Ubersuggest. It's a Neil Patel tool. You can plug in your URL and it'll pull a bunch of data for free on you know what pages are broken, what quick fixes you have, what keywords you're already ranking for. And that again, gives you a really good sense of just where you're at right now. And if you don't like what you see, it kind of allows you to see the gap between point A and B, right? If you want to be ranking for, I'm in Seattle right now for this conference, so Seattle, Washington financial advisor, and you're not, but you do see that maybe you're ranking for like a neighborhood or something like that where your office is, you can kind of determine, all right, what's realistic? Um, that same tool Uber suggests with Neil Patel. Uh, it also allows you to see like keyword ranking difficulty, right? So if you want to rank for Seattle, Washington financial advisor, you may look at that and see, wow, that's going to take a lot of work. It's in the red zone. Uh, that's like green, yellow and red or something. And so it's very easy to discern what is actually going to be feasible and what should I actually focus on as far as SEO that's going to be worth my time. I love that. Two awesome tools. And as we think about SEO, what is the key to ranking in SEO? Is it consistency of writing content? Is it the words you use in content? Like I've always heard from some people, look at what words you want. Just make sure you use a lot of those words in the uh, in your blog, or you know, make sure that your title is like four words, four point you know three words, or something like I don't know, some crazy stuff like that, like hacks. But what is it that matters when it comes to SEO? Consistency, words being used, all of the above. Something that I didn't even say. It's definitely all of the above. And it's also partially the way you format your content and things like your images on your content. Do they have meta descriptions? It's Google reads. It doesn't always like listen or watch a video, right? Although I think the algorithm is now getting much more intelligent as different types of content become more popular. But still, what you can do is really look at, am I structuring this correctly? I think we have an outline for a blog post somewhere on our site. I'll drop it into the show notes for you as well. But just how can I make it really readable, very user-friendly? Another thing that's really helpful is Google just dropped the helpful content algorithm. 
And so instead of doing a lot of advisors historically have really focused kind of on what you were saying, I need to reuse the same keywords again and again. I need to shove them into the top third of the blog post in that first paragraph and in the title. And Google is now you know, getting smarter and seeing that people are doing that. And so instead, it's sort of pivoted to what's the traffic look like on this blog? Is it actually answering the question that was asked when someone typed in a question or more than likely did like voice to text on their phone? And that sort of content is being given preference as far as the algorithm goes to rank. So I think this is a huge win for financial advisors and small business owners because it's a little bit less pay to play. And as long as you're actually creating content that's educational and helpful, you're already kind of one up on the SEO game. So is it is it fair to say that an advisor could be positioned, once you get your four pillars, then within those four pillars, like what are the most common questions that need to be answered? And then see, maybe using Neil Patel's article, of like how often are those ranked? And then you, that can create your, your ranking. And then just answer those questions in a very you know, precise way, but engaging way and be direct. Is that, would that be a fair strategy? Yes, absolutely. I think that's the perfect strategy. And like you talk about hitting the easy button, easiest way ever for advisors just to kind of hit the ground running. What are your pillars? What are the questions about those pillars? I'm just going to answer them with how I would answer them in a client meeting. And a lot of advisors kind of lock up here and are you know unsure of how to write that content or record that video. Again, record your client meetings and listen to yourself talk because I guarantee it's more natural. It feels less forced. You can transcribe client meetings. I love Otter AI, the tool that you recommended for that. So that's definitely like you had said, easy win. Gosh. All right. Well, I mean, we've got them the whole strategy. Identify your pillars, build some folders, build content throughout the weeks before you start writing, answer questions, build up your SEO. Um, and, you know, I, I think, you know, maybe the final point is, and you tell me if I'm wrong here, you know, just pick one channel and just dominate that channel in 2023. Don't do more than one, just do one and do it really, really well. I would typically agree with that. And I think, you know, if you're feeling creative and you decide, I want to do videos for all of my top ranking blogs. You can get fancy with it as you get more comfortable, but have that be like the icing on the cake, not the cake itself, right? The cake should be, these are my pillars. I'm going to dominate LinkedIn or my blog or whatever it may be. And then as you go, if you've got extra capacity, I mean, more is always going to be a win, but if you can't stay consistent with a more robust strategy, you're likely to panic, burn out, all of that stuff. So I love that dominate one channel strategy. All right. Last question. And then I'm going to ask my two regular questions, but 2023 specific here. But first is, how can advisors judge success? I think that that's the biggest thing, right? So if we're going into 2023, we've given them the tools. How, you know, every advisor would be like, well, it's just a matter of how many new clients I got from these, right? But marketing is like a, a brand awareness. It's like, but uh, so what should advisors be monitoring during the year to judge whether they were successful with this easy button strategy we've just given? So I like to break this into tangible KPIs, right? So hard numbers that you can track. Most advisors like those best. And then the intangible, which is sort of that softer side of marketing, a little bit trickier to really like get a pulse on. For the intangible side, we'll start there since that's sometimes the trickier one to navigate. I like to keep like a win folder for your marketing. For all of our clients, we have things like this. So anytime a client of an advisor reaches out and says, I read that blog and then I sent it to my mom and it was great. That's an intangible win, right? So that's saying that your content is hitting the right audience. It's getting shared out. That's fantastic. Uh, That could also kind of look like 
people who are signing up, well, this is more of a hard number, but signing up for your email list, referrals that you're getting, some of that like softer client related marketing or internal marketing. And then some more tangible KPIs that I think are critical for tracking success are ultimately all marketing needs to lead down the pipeline to signing on sales. But if we go through a recession, tracking things like AUM may not make as much sense, right? Like if the market is down, it could be total uh, fees or whatever per household that you're serving, number of households served. It could be, you know, profit as, you know, a good tracker there. If your marketing is costing more than it's actually bringing in, I think that's, those are all good KPIs at the bottom of your funnel. And then at the top of the funnel, things like total engagement, both on social media, you can track open and click rates through your email marketing campaigns. And then for Google Analytics, like your website, uh, numbers that we like to look at are, I have a blog post about this too, so I'll send that to you, but it's traffic to your website and then the total number of users versus sessions. So how many people are coming to your website and then how many people from the same IP address are visiting again, right? So do you get repeat visitors? And I think that those are all really critical. Another good one to track would be bounce rate. So the ideal goal is to have your bounce rate slowly go down. So you have less people bouncing away, which just means people visiting more than one page on your website, right? And then you want your session duration time. And all of these numbers, if you look at your Google Analytics dashboard, are right on top. So like they're the big ones <laughs> to pay attention to. Yeah. And so the uh, user session also should be going up. So ideally, a minute plus is great. If you can get it to two minutes plus, like you're winning the game. Yeah, I love those. All of those are so good. And I, I, I love the idea of like on the tangible side also, like something that's controllable in my mind is like net new households. Because, you know, if your marketing should, if you think about it, should over time grow your new households. And over time, if you're doing it the right way for your current clients, should decrease people leaving because you're using it effectively. So ultimately, that number, that net new household number should grow by you losing less clients and adding more clients. And that's something controllable independent of a recovery or what the markets are doing and everything of that nature. So uh, I think that that's good. And, you know, I also, you know, one thing that I think that we do not tend to do is like figure out a base rate. What was it this year? And see if you can just improve it, right? I think that we just throw numbers on the wall and we don't hit them and then we're frustrated at it. But like, what is the base rate? And did we improve? Like how much you improve, you can determine. But, you know, did you make improvement? I think is really important. So Zoe, this has been incredible. I don't know if we've had a podcast ever on Bridging the Gap that just had so much like juice. Like I call it gold or juice or whatever you want. Like this has everything and it's incredible. I mean, like so much actionable ideas here, which I love. So before I let you go though, I always ask on my podcast about two questions. And I know that I've asked them for you before, but I'm gonna kind of spin it for 2023. So the first one is is what's one book? that you think all advisors should read in 2023 if they haven't read it already? Or if they have, they need to reread it. I just finished Atomic Habits by James Clear. And I would definitely recommend that one. I think that's probably a top book currently uh, for me, for all advisors to read or all business owners to read. I love that. It is one of the best books about how to make small progress making habits, right? We like we think we have to go do all of it. Just like make one small thing. Like, I think he calls it the three minute rule or something like that. What's something you can do within three minutes? and do that and then just keep building on that. I love Atomic Habits. Great book. All right. Last piece. I mean, this is this is kind of a silly that I'm even asking this question, to be honest, because of how much actionable advice we gave. But I have to do it just because I'm a creature of habit. What's one piece of actionable advice? Maybe I'll spin it. What's the most important piece of actionable advice that we talked about today that you think listeners should be sure to take away? Oh, that's tough. But I'm going to have to go with survey your clients. 
And don't just survey them about client satisfaction, survey them to figure out how you can communicate them in a scalable way. So one to many, again, emails, blog posts, what do they want to hear about? I really think that'll be a huge win for advisors who are looking to grow. Love that. Zoe Maggart, you're amazing. I really appreciate you coming back on and sharing so much awesome information for the listeners. I mean, I've got pages of notes here from what we talked about. If one of the one of advisors, you know, our listeners want to continue to follow you, maybe that's their goal, or maybe their goal is to have you take over and help them with some of these actions. What's the best way for advisors to get in touch with you? Uh, my email is probably the easiest. So it's Zoe at perfectlyplannedcontent.com. And I'm most active on LinkedIn. Talk about one channel. That's where you can find me on social media. We're not very active on other channels. So uh, that's where you can find us. Zoe, best of luck in 2023. Hope to reconnect here again and have you back on Bridging the Gap. But I really appreciate your time here today. Stay well, be well, and we'll talk soon. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Bridging the Gap. Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think. 